Hello, we are live with Dr. Josh Funk coming to us from the DMV. Where in the DMV are you right now? Right outside uh, in the county north of D.C. in Maryland. Maryland. Anyone not familiar, DMV refers to D.C., Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Um, it took me a while to, to hear that. But uh, Dr. Josh Funk, he's the CEOA. I'm not sure what that is. Um, <laughs> uh, what's the A? CEOA. Where'd you find CEOA? I, I, go, I Googled you and <laughs> I'm a I saw that. Man. Uh, CEOA. I don't know. Assistant? Are you an assistant or? I, I'm Associate? trying to be an A plus CEO. <laughs> Let's go with that. I don't know where that was. There, there's a children's book author named Josh Funk also. So wild. Yeah. And then there was another, I think the other guy was an actor or something. But anyway, we found you. You're, you're like the seventh Google search result for Josh Funk. Man. Just so you know. Man. You got you to step up your Google ranking game. <laughs> and a book author? I had no idea. You don't you don't just sit around googling yourself, man. I, I should. I will after this call. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're the brand though. Your brand is rehab to perform, right? Yeah. So that's that's the important thing. You guys are just opening your ninth location. Um, pretty impressive stuff. I've been following you on the socials for a while, and we we did a little bit of work together on over the internet's here, trying to trying to help me with my business. Um, and again, just wanted to. to Get you on here to talk about the big concept. I'd say you're on the front lines of this crazy healthcare space that we're in right now. Um, anyone in the industry, anybody who's been a patient in this space, can certainly most likely speak to the the insanity of insurance, uh, the insanity of copays, the insanity of some general healthcare practices that do not necessarily serve the patient the best way. Um, I think I saw you talking about Dr. Peter Atia's book, The Difference Between Healthcare 2.0 and Healthcare 3.0. Um, I don't know if you if that resonated with you. I'd love to hear and know, um, you know, we talked a little bit before going live here of just the concept of what you guys are trying to do more than just be plain old physical therapists. I know you have nutrition. I know you have sports, coaching, strength and conditioning, all those kind of things. And the term I love that I, I, I'll give you credit for is the first time I really kind of heard it and it, it resonated with me was, fitness forward physical therapy. So tell me about rehab to perform the mission and how you guys are kind of moving the industry forward. Cause that's the, that's what I would say. Um, I want to get the people moving the industry forward on here and, and you're definitely one of those folks. Yeah. So rehab to perform started honestly, just kind of mirroring a college athletic setting, um, a warmer sports medicine environment, uh, an environment that allows you to maintain your identity uh, and an environment that still allows you to do challenging and meaningful things. Um, I can remember uh, being at Ohio State uh, and interacting with my PT, AT, strength staff, sport coach, all within a span of a very short period of time to ensure that everybody was on the same page as to what I needed um, as I was going through so shoulder rehab. You know, I had torn my labrum, tore my rotator cuff, and still was going to compete with the expectation I'd probably need surgery at the end of the year. Um, fortunately, through the synergy of those four people, I never had to get surgery and was still able to compete and, um, you know, did fairly well for the rest of my career. But it was the environment that stuck out to me. It was not a grudge purchase. A lot of healthcare is a grudge purchase. It is a have-to environment. Um, and I think I've always asked myself, how do I create a get-to environment in healthcare? And a lot of that allows people to uh, feel emotionally uh, connected to what it is that's going on, emotionally connected to the people, emotionally connected to the environment, 
And then also looking at the value being provided to them um, as being something that uh, they're rationalizing there is an ROI when it comes to their time and money. So uh, over the course of the past nine years, you know, we have a, uh, whether or not you want to call it fitness forward, more fitness focused environment. Uh, it looks like a gym when you walk in, uh, but we are delivering PT, sports rehab, concussion care, pregnancy and postpartum care with a team of 50 clinicians. Uh, we did recently add a registered dietitian last year who does nutrition Hopefully, we'll be adding another one this year as long as trends continue. Um, and I think all the time that eventually we need to find ways to incorporate other professionals, especially a mental health professional. Yeah, I love it. I think, again, this is uh, some of what's missing in healthcare. Uh, and people expect, hey, I had an ACL surgery. Maybe all you need is some quad sets, some electric stim, some massage, some stretching. Um, but if you really want to get back to full force, uh, I, think, I think we see that model of practicing at top of scope, um, incorporating nutrition. I had a uh, when COVID happened, I, I did a journal club with uh, some PTs up in Oregon uh, that I connected with. And the first article that was chosen actually had to do with nutrition and um, as we, we dove into the research and the article, and that was fun, but then I kind of asked them, how do they implement nutrition in their practices? And most of them were in pretty traditional PT practices. And they were like, I don't have time to talk about nutrition. And I was like, do you have, do you just refer out? And like, sometimes, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, almost criminal. I always, I always kind of say that. And I, I have to be careful, obviously saying stuff like that, where, you know, I feel like we're doing a disservice to our patients. If we're not talking women's health, we're not talking about if, if a woman comes in with, uh, hip pain, back pain, and we're not sending her to pelvic health PT, or she's never heard of pelvic health PT, I think that's a disservice to the woman. Um, if we're not talking about nutrition, and especially in the pre-surgical, post-surgical kind of phase of saying, hey, here's some basic things you can do to maximize your recovery, um, you know, even in muscle strains, all those things, talking about sleep, talking about nutrition, that should all be just natural. The APTA talks about it, but then we just don't see it in practice. So um, you find that, and I think for a lot of people, they, they find that maybe it's not worth the return on investment for them. But again, you've been, you're, you've been expanding, rapidly growing. Um, you guys look like you're doing great. Again, everything we see on social media, you, you're also very transparent. You share where your referrals are coming from. You share some great stuff on social media. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, that return on investment where some people are like, I just need to get people in and out and maximize my profits versus, you know, building for the long term, building for the future, creating an environment where your clinicians are actually able to, you know, avoid burnout. And I think these are the things that we see in the, on the bad side of PT. Um, and I'd love to hear again how you've probably seen that and you're probably getting people coming from some of those burnout clinics and saying, hey, we can we can foster you here. We're going to provide a positive environment for you. So I'd love to hear um, how you guys are, are facilitating that. Yeah, the thing that I think of is, um, you know, you're, you're trying to resource your people and you're trying to resource your company and you're trying to resource uh, the people that you're looking to serve. So when you're talking about the first part as it relates to nutrition, um, you're talking about putting them in a situation where they're getting information, maybe not always through direct one-to-one -one conversation. Uh, we use a lot of email automations uh, that are either diagnosis code specific or they're time uh, specific um, and make sure that people are getting nutritional information that may qualify them. We want to qualify the individual to potentially think that they need certain things. Um, this also goes hand in hand with other materials beyond just nutrition. If you come into us and you're on a time-specific email drip campaign, you might get stuff as it relates to how to interact with the company and how, how to interact with the service and the provider that you're working with. But you might also get general wellness information, sleep, fitness, 
zone two cardio, nutrition, things that we feel like will add value to your life that also might subtly sell some of the things that we have going on. Then when it comes to the provider, we want to make sure that we give them every opportunity to do what they do uh, and have minimal excess uh, cognitive load. So how do you support them with process? A lot of that comes down to administrative burden. It comes down to helping them utilize the EMR in efficient fashion. It comes down to providing them with uh, certain scripts and templates with regards to decision-making processes. You're trying to create individuals who can seamlessly and easily go throughout the course of their day with as minimal friction as possible. When you have a lot of friction, when you're getting uh, inconsistent outcomes, when you're potentially put in a situation where it's easier to fail uh, than other environments, that's when I think about the burnout word because you're repetitively putting yourself in situations that are straining, stressful, uncertain, um, and overall look like a lack of ROI. So, you know, it's, a, it's always an ecosystem approach when it comes to burnout. Um, it's an ecosystem approach when it comes to distributing information. It's an ecosystem approach when it comes to providing resources pe for people. And I probably abuse that word more than anything else. Uh, but it really is the aggregation of marginal gains in a lot of different places uh, that gets us moving in a, in a new direction. Love it. Which word? Ecosystem? Ecosystem. I'll use it over and over and over. E ecosystem approach. Like I, I don't want to, there, there's very, very rarely like a unilateral answer um, or, uh, you know, a single answer to any given problem. Most likely we can look at it from a variety of different factors. When you talk about the the different things that we have access to nowadays, I mean, we can create multimodal learning environments. We can create multimodal ways for somebody to get exposed to something. We can have a multitude of different directions that we can approach a problem um, to resource individuals. And that's really what good process comes down to. Love it. Love it. Let me ask if you don't mind sharing. I think, again, you're one of the more transparent uh, CEOs out there I've seen, but in terms of, yeah, clinician, you talked about outcomes. Are these things you're tracking? Are you looking at uh, visits per episode of care? Uh, again, transition to other services, total revenue per patient. What kind of metrics are you looking at focusing on? Uh, again, uh, more traditional clinic, uh, you know, working with here is they're looking at, yeah, what's your uh, units built, evidence-based units built per, per session? Yeah, I think uh, really it's it's a quadrant. Um, you know, when you talk about billable units, you're talking about time of sessions. Um, time of sessions for us, we schedule on the top of the hour and the bottom of the hour. We typically get somewhere between 3.8 to 4. It really depends. We don't have a lot of Medicare. So it's it's easier for us being in a situation where we have a high amount of commercial payers. Um, with regards to the amount of visits, we shoot for about 250 a month. That's actually where people start terming into bonuses. Um, that's give or take, uh, depending on a, a given month, some are just shy of 12 per day. If we take, uh, the average amount of treatment days in a month as 21. And then really the biggest two metrics that I like to focus on, cause they're more process oriented metrics, net promoter score, um, that looks a little bit more at brand loyalty, um, the amount of customer, um, you know, loyal customer loyalty than an individual might have, how likely are they to refer your company, your service, your practitioner, your facility potentially to a family member or friend, and then churn rate, which also kind of goes hand in hand with visits per per discharge or visits per IE. You know, one of the big things is 
Um, and I, I, I mentioned it earlier is, is PT and healthcare can be viewed as a grudge purchase. I have to. So if people have a really negative experience, they churn out, you know, and a churn rate also is an industry agnostic metric. Um, and it is something where an individual doesn't churn as much when they perceive there to be value present. If there is value present, then an individual is ideally going to lock into some kind of um, average plan of care that you would anticipate for non you know, a, a conservative, um, you know, response to care here, a post-op situation here, non-specific low back pain here. Um, you know, we've got certain areas, but if an individual comes in and they only interact with, you know, your service for one to three visits, that's probably not positive. That'll fall under a category of incomplete discharge. And you might be contributing to the fact that people overall um, aren't interacting with PT as much as they should. And those are the people that kind of go, oh, I tried PT, but it, it wasn't for me. And it, then we want to sit here and go, well, you just didn't have my PT. Uh-huh. Well, wouldn't that be nice? But sometimes people experience things one time. Uh, never to go back again. Yeah, I always use that analogy of somebody says, I tried Arby's and now I don't like restaurants. And it's like mm-hmm. Arby's should not be indicative of all restaurants. Um, but yeah, that that um, led me to the question, or again, talking about uh, some of the stuff I've seen with you, what you guys are posting. Have you had any luck really? And, and what percent maybe of your overall, and I don't know if it varies clinic to clinic, again, coming up on your ninth location. Is that is that grand opening coming up soon? Uh, that was December eighth. Oh, December eighth. Nice. Yeah, yeah. We just did our. Then is there is there a tenth one coming? Yeah, tenth one's coming sometime. <laughs> May. Yeah. This guy, turn it, turn it, turn it. You know what? We have great people, and we have young people that want to work, and they want opportunities. They want, you know, a certain amount of benefit. When you talk about ROI on their efforts, certain amount of personal benefit. If they help open a location for us, they will turn into a certain salary amount. They will turn into eventually uh, a certain amount of healthcare benefit, sometimes of which getting it entirely paid for, including their families, uh, and then profit sharing. So for individuals who are a little bit more entrepreneurial, they might be a little bit more risk averse, not wanting to start up their own clinic, but they do understand that they have a lot of value and they do know understand how to get out um, and, and, and sell in the community. Those are individuals that we want to find a way to get behind them, support them, um, and allow them to have a certain amount of ownership, especially if they want to go back and they want to like our ninth location, young man came to us and he is operating a clinic now in the community he grew up in. That's a win-win for a lot of people. That's a win-win for that individual. That's a win-win for the community because they have a familiar face, somebody that they trust operating a healthcare entity where they are. Um, And it's obviously a win for us because we are able to move forward and open up offices and everybody can argue about whether or not scale helps or not. But I mean, I was having a conversation with somebody today. We wouldn't be able to have the benefit structure in place that we do without scale. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits to a privately PT owned, non-private equity backed company doing well um, and being able to provide opportunities for other PTs. I'm really excited to hear. I connected uh, for for those listening. Uh, connected Josh to Dave Kittle, who's been on my show before, uh, and he's a big uh, in the space of kind of being involved with purchasing, selling, transitioning clinics like that. And I'm very curious uh, to hear that conversation. Did you guys schedule that yet? It was on Monday. Yeah, it was a great. One. Oh, you had it. I missed well. it. Thank I missed you very it. much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will. I'm excited too, and we'll try to link to that somewhere. Um, and we'll, well, I got to get Dave back on here too. It's been too long since I had him on, but yeah. 
Um, but yeah, really, really excited to hear that. Any, any takeaways or, or things you want to add to what you guys talked about? You know, I, I think overall, you're just talking big picture PT landscape. I think um, for him, he got a little bit more into the, the business side of things. I think people are always kind of curious about direction. Um, people are always curious about growth, how growth occurs. You know, we've been fortunate to largely get to a point where you know, our most aggressive uh, growth was four locations in 15 months and also expanding uh, our first office. Like that was very aggressive. We, we got uh, two different bank loans. You know, we, we did use cash flow, you know, used profits to help go through that period. And that was the tightest we've ever been financially. Um, but I think from here on out, we should largely be able to self-fund unless we go through a more rapid growth period of which I don't have currently on the radar. But, um, you know, it's something that I think uh, we can all sit here. And uh, there's another study that came out within the last month, like private equity getting into healthcare hasn't been positive. It hasn't been positive for the providers and it hasn't been positive for the patients. Um, I have yet to see a PE backed company that has come into a market and completely set a new pay structure for an area. And I hear all the time about how, you know, they're able to have different bargaining and all right, if you bargain, the reimbursement changes, but what is that doing to benefit the lives of the professional professionals? Um, and if PE is so good, how is how are those organizations impacting patient care? I think the jury is still out, uh, but much like hospitals that are consolidating, um, it, it certainly hasn't seemed to be supported through research that either providers or patients are benefiting from those style of uh, transactions. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So I'm excited to listen to that episode again. We'll link to that, the Dave Kittle show. Um, happy to make that connection. I was listening to one of his episodes and I was like, you know, who'd be a great guest is Josh Funk. And then I said, I haven't even had you on here. So let's get you on here. So here we are. Um, along those lines, I wanted to ask and, and bring it back to a little bit of outcomes we talked about with it. when it comes to my observations. I've been in this. I, I got my doctor back in 2008. I've been in the space for quite a while. Um, all sorts of settings all over the world with physical therapy. Um, and I would say I got uh, disheartened. Um, was very involved with APTA early on, and and the more I saw, um, and I'm very vocal about all this stuff. The the more it felt like the industry, the profession, um, despite how much research we do, I think there's a, a huge um, gap between pushing the envelope, which I see you guys doing on a very practical, uh, you know, on on the feet on the ground, so to so to speak, level, and the the eye in the sky. Let's argue on Twitter over. Uh, is manual therapy good? Should we just get everything strong? Whatever, whatever those best clinical practices are. So, um, I kind of, you know, want to put it back to highlighting the fact that you guys are seemingly, at least from from where I sit and watching again a lot of your stuff online, is um, pushing the envelope on. We see the best outcomes with these types of practices. We're tracking that. I don't know. Again, how closely are you tracking? Hey, we notice that when we incorporate dry needling with so and so that even though the research might be pretty limited on overall dry needling, um, we notice that the pistoning technique doesn't work as well as leave it in for 10 minutes and do some e-stim on it, whatever the thing is. Um, so I'd love to hear again from a clinical perspective outside the business perspective, or if you can even integrate the two, that ultimately searching and chasing, getting people better quicker, getting them back to, again, buy into that company, refer back in of like, hey, these guys got me good in two sessions from my hamstring strain versus uh, I had it a few years ago and then I went to traditional PT and, and uh, it took them three months to get me better or whatever it is. So um, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of how you're able to incorporate that pushing the envelope, 
chasing best clinical practices that I have not seen as much uh, in the in the grand physical therapy space. So, and I, and I don't know, maybe you're seeing it better than I am, but uh, I'd love to hear hear your insights on that. No, I think, um, man, there's so many different layers there. I think you're going to have first and foremost a patient that's always going to walk in with their own personal bias. They're going to walk in and they're going to have experiences. They're going to have done their own research. They're going to have certain um, preconceived, uh, most likely misconceptions about whatever that's going on, uh, about what injury that they have, what care that they need, and what things should look like. So that's where I think the beginning always starts with conversation. And at the end of the day, we are the profession that gets to have some of the most amount of time with individuals to develop relationships. Then it's up to us to get objective. We have to get objective as it relates to things that this person is either competent in, competent in or not competent in. Competency in itself allows us to objectively look at things that an individual can or cannot do. This can be applied to every industry that I'm familiar with and that there are certain competencies that are measured. And the way forward is for us to improve our level of competency in certain areas. When we talk about physical therapy, we're talking about physical competencies. Then you have certain things where there are competencies in place and we benefit from capacity being built out in the areas in which we are competent. So when I think about PT, I think about conversation, I think about competency, and I think about capacity. And I would argue at the end, when you want to talk about population health and some of the long-term outcomes that we can continue to have an impact on, I do think about the word conditioning and conditioning um, being something that um, carries with people throughout the course of the lifetime. So you have conversation, competency, capacity, and conditioning. The four C's of R2P. Hey, could, could, could be. And we, we think about those kind of through session flow. You know, when somebody comes in, um, you know, through conversation, we may have a better idea of things that they think work for them. We may have to unpack narratives. We might even have to buy into doing a small amount of something that we might not necessarily think is the exact answer early on. But I want to work through this with somebody and the relational side and the conversational things that can occur while potentially doing uh, a hands-on technique for a little while. A uh, insert whatever technique that you want here that is more passive. I think we kind of, um, quote unquote, like, uh, you know, poo-poo on some of these things that are passive strategies, sometimes that do allow us to build rapport with an individual. And rapport is incredibly important to buy in. It's not to say that we're doing things that are meaningless and useless for an extended period of time, but through that early part of the journey where we're getting to know somebody, um, maybe we're spending a little time doing some kind of manual therapy strategies. The goal is always an active strategy. The goal is movement. The goal is education. Movement and education leave with people. They have a better idea of what their body is capable of doing. They have their, a better idea of what their body is not capable of doing. And ideally, we provide the awareness that they need to have and tie it into the context of their life. Because at the end of the day, individuals need context for the things that it is that you're doing. Fifth so, seat. Fifth hey, seat. <laughs> so I think largely if you're, you know, you're fo focusing on those things from a big picture 
uh, standpoint that you're probably doing a lot of the right things. I think a lot of people, a lot of different buzzwords, we are educating people to empower them. We are educating them through words. We are educating them through repetitions. And the byproduct should be to build a new baseline in an individual. Our company totem is be greater than yesterday. By the time you are done with us, you should have a new mental and emotional right baseline. And you should also have a new physical baseline because your new mental, emotional baseline is more capable of handling whatever it is that you have going on in the world. And your new physical baseline is ideally in a better situation to handle whatever physical tasks that you would like to perform in a more sustainable fashion. That's just a good reminder for me. I wanted to order one of your shirts a while ago. I got to get that. Be greater than yesterday shirt. Give me your address, Bo. There you go. Um, so I love it. And again, this is one of the reasons, I, again, I keep, um, you know, following you, trying to support you guys also from my end, whatever I can do to support you. And, and so much of overlap of, you know, instead of be greater than yesterday, my whole thing is get 1% better every day. Um, and, you know, so similarities there. And then I usually similarly in my assessments, um, when I'm working with folks one-on-one, -on -one, I say exact same language of competence. Uh, how well do you hinge, squat, lunge, et cetera? And then I, I add in the confidence in there of like, do you feel confident lifting that 50-pound kettlebell from the ground? Um, and then am I confident with how you're doing it before we continue to, or eventually get to capacity? So those are my three Cs, but you added a whole bunch of more Cs. I love it. Um, <laughs> all the Cs. I think we're up to seven Cs now or something yeah. like that. But um, but yeah, I love that. The other piece to that whole equation too, and trying to maybe um, sidestep a little bit of what we're talking about is, have you had any success? And again, something I believed in for a long time. And, and again, when I was involved with the APTA back in 2006, seven as a student, I was at House of Delegates. Um, you know, there, there's been this notion of we should be pushing kind of the dentists have, uh, you know, you should go see the dentist twice a year. Physical therapist should say, hey, go see your physical therapist once a year for an annual movement screen or checkup or whatever that is. It seems like nobody can agree on what that means or maybe the APTA never just kind of came around to leading us from the top of saying, let's do the FMS or SFMA or whatever the thing is. There's all these different screens. Um, but I'm wondering, again, what you've seen at the at the forefront of the profession is, as I'll keep uh, making sure people understand that that's where you are. Um, of have you seen any benefits or how much do you incorporate that prevention, that screening, that it sounds like that's the language somewhere built in there of like you came to yeah. us because you, you sprained your ankle. We want to educate you this way but and, and make sure you understand you can come back to us um, with other things. But yeah, in terms of performance and, and keeping people active and moving, um, again, I'd, I'd, I'll turn it over to you. I think there was a question in there somewhere. Yeah, I think when I think of that, I think of an opportunity to expose new people to the profession. So I think of the word consultation. And I think sometimes people have a problem with doing things that are free. And mm -hmm. I think that they think that it devalues what it is that they do. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go test drive a couple hundred thousand dollar vehicle. Should that be a purchase that I want to? I want to experience it to be a believer. And when I experience it, I might be even better at generating word of mouth. So I think of it during a period of time in which people typically come to me and they say, hey, we're not quite as busy. We're not quite as busy in the end of November. We're not quite as busy in December. And we're not quite as busy in January. 
So for us, we've turned this into two different strategies. We've turned one into a word of mouth, an active word of mouth strategy. And we've turned another into an active net new strategy. Um, but it is word of mouth for gym owners to give this gift of a movement physical. But we do November and December, give the gift of R2P. Hey, you've had such a good experience with R2P handling, you know, aches, pains, um, and sometimes, you know, in your post-surgical conditions, and we've got a script that goes out, and we say, can you put somebody else in the same position where they're getting to experience the gift of R2P? Consider giving them this gift that provides them with a free movement screening. We have people then that come in in the month of November, December, and they get to go through a movement screening process with us. New Year's resolutions are always here. January is a time period where typically clinics can be a little bit lighter. We will reach out to some of our youth sports and our gym contacts, and we will say, hey, we want to keep your clients your clients, and we also want people to experience what PT is and how it could potentially support them. Please consider giving your clients an annual movement physical, and at the end of the day, we will make sure that they get information that they need to ensure that they can continue on whatever New Year's resolution program that you went in on. So I think a lot of it comes down to us being creative about how we incorporate it, how it benefits our business, which ideally consultations lead to conversions. And ideally what we do through these strategies are we continue to brand our profession with an emphasis on movement, where we're having conversation, we are looking at competencies, and we're potentially having a greater conversation about things like capacity and conditioning. All the C's. You guys, I can't believe you don't have C's in the name somewhere. We might have so to put a somewhere, you know? Consultations, conversions, con content, <laughs> context, yep. competency, conditioning, oh, business or something, you know? <laughs> right? I love it. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. I want to be respectful of your time. I mean, unless there's other big stuff, um, you know, the floor is yours. If you have other stuff, you've shared so much already. I love it. Um, I, I got a lot out of all the conversation already. I took tons of notes uh, for myself. Um, hopefully the listener got a lot. But yeah, I don't know if there's other big, big picture stuff you want to share or little picture stuff even. But Yeah, I got a big thing as it relates to staffing. Um, I've just been talking about this a lot recently. I was fortunate to be at the WebPT Ascend conference to talk about this. Also was at Graham Sessions, um, and it's something I'm particularly passionate about. But for us to solve staffing issues in healthcare, we need to provide a pipeline to the profession, which involves us getting involved in the community, connecting with young people, going to where the schools are, offering up internships, but creating opportunities for connectivity. If you can take your direct access marketing for patients, look at your marketing funnel, which will have at least six steps present. At the top, it's awareness, interest, and engagement. You have to start looking at how you're creating awareness, interest, and engagement for talent. If you're not contributing to that, you're trying to put yourself repetitively in a situation where you are hiring solely based off of need and you are looking for conversion 
in a situation in which you should have been building out awareness, interest, and engagement for months, potentially years, before you ever have the need for a position. So you need to reframe the way that you're approaching staffing your business, staffing your organization. And that starts with looking at your marketing funnel and you should parallel your marketing funnel for talent like you run a marketing funnel for new patients. Direct access, direct to consumer, those type of words should also apply to what you're doing to attract the human beings that are going to be a part of your organization. Um, other than that, love to talk shop, love to talk business, love to help people troubleshoot through different situations. Um, I'm in a pretty good spot with regards to where we are from a business standpoint. I have screwed up a ton. I have learned a ton. I'm not, not, you know, not afraid of being a resource. If anybody has little questions and stuff like that, don't hesitate to reach out at DR Josh Funk on social media, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, or now X. Um, and then feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I'm definitely uh, going to pop up a little bit sooner than Josh Funk, the author, or Josh Funk, the actor. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll get you up in those, those Google rankings. But okay. again, Josh, appreciate your time so much. Tons to learn. Again, I love what you're doing. Please keep pushing the profession forward. Um, you know, when I was, when I was a young buck student and graduated 2008, I had, had all that shine in my eye. And then I think it, some of that got beat out of me, um, <laughs> from dealing with even the private practice section of the APTA and, and trying to be involved with the APTA. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of what they do is very valuable. It's very important, but there's that like, well, we kind of have to go at this slower pace or we have to do these things and to see someone again doing you know I, I i think i've jumped around to a bunch of different opportunities in my career going to open a gym in dubai things like that um but yeah i think you know again i wish i was closer to dmv i would love to 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 be able to do stuff with you but it sounds like at least you're putting that model in place that hopefully other people can learn from and continue to see we see that success with that model um that's been again i keep i've been yelling this like hey is anyone want to do this with me? Does anyone like think this is going to be useful? And people, I, I get a lot of, I got a lot of, ah, we don't think that prevention thing's going to work. We don't think that annual screening thing's going to work. And, and I'm like, well, we're seeing it here. Um, so again, for those who want to push the industry, those, and, and um, I think you actually, um, you had one of, you have your intern house, like kind of real world house thing going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, we're, we're trying to, uh, it's been great though. I think Abby Kirschler, uh, she was, she just graduated new grad recently. You guys had her, um, I had her on here cause I saw her on, on Twitter X, whatever we want to call it. Um, mm -hmm. complaining about kind of the r ridiculousness of the system of PT school and what she wanted to do. And, um, you know, but she was one of those people who's like, I can see what I want to envision and like, Oh, wait a minute. There's actually a company over here setting that up and I want to partner with them and be involved. And again, uh, you know, I wish I had those kind of resources as a new grad. So, um, Abby, if you're listening, uh, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. She's doing some great stuff. Um, she's going to be an excellent clinician. Um, and again, Josh, thank you so much for, again, everything you're doing for the profession, for the space. Uh, so great to see your success and growth. Um, and yeah, appreciate you. Uh, again, guys, reach out. He just, he shared his email. We'll try to have those in the show notes. He's all over the social medias, really good at responding back. Um, so yes, thank you again. And, uh, how you feeling about being Ohio State guy, Michigan winning? the natty tier it's an audio platform for the most part so Here. he's putting the tears on yeah. <laughs> sorry to, i kind of had to bring that up uh i got some ohio state friends who who talk trash to me for a long time and i'm i'm neither i'm not i'm not a diehard either way but i kind of like rooting against ohio state i have to admit um so hopefully that doesn't 
throw too many wrenches in at the end there. But no. on that note, <laughs> we're all right. On, we're all right. The all right, all right. Now, so now we can go back to winning. Harbaugh has Ryan Day's number. <laughs> well, yeah, there's some jokes there. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not. We're, we're, we'll see. We'll see. Yes. Only time will tell. Yes. Only time yes. will tell. Um, all right, guys. Signing off. Hope everyone got at least one percent better in their practice, in their uh, brains, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you again, Josh. Um, we are signing off, and it is.